Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Over there is your other host, John. I That's me. So this week, I want to bring up, I was listening to a, this is something you guys should do as well. Listen to other fitness business podcasts. There's a lot of great stuff out there. I think it's very important for you to just accumulate information so you understand trends, what works, what works across the board. Uh, I want to give you a little bit, I want to arm you with a little bit of information as you go into listening to other fitness podcasts. They're all trying to fitness business podcasts. They're all trying to sell you into some sort of business coaching or business product. So are we. So just mm-hmm. remember that. Take that all with a grain of salt. If everything pivots to the point where like, uh, you have to do our thing or else your business is fucked, you have to hire us or else you're... Tread a little lightly, but you need to be able to extract the overall trends of what's working because you only own one gym, two gyms, three gyms, or four gyms. Unless if you do, maybe you should start telling everyone else how it's done if you own more than that. Right. But like, it's good to get information. If you don't have a network of larger coaches, at the very least, you can listen to people that are disseminating information that are operating hundreds of gyms or have inputs uh, from hundreds of different gyms. So yeah. this <clears throat> this episode we was listening to, it was called, do you remember what it was called? It's the Fitness Business Secrets. Yeah, these are the Australian dudes. Australian dudes. Yeah. Very, it's, uh, it sounds, it's all very gym launchy, and we'll get into that stuff later, where it, it all kind of sounds like they're all doing the same stuff, you know, from the consulting side. They all have an inner circle, and they all have these things, and they kind of run the same types of stuff. But I listen to these things looking for patterns. Pattern recognition is very important, especially for operating a business, because trends are simply just patterns, Right. So they kind of talk about what is working the most right now for lead generation. And this was a great episode where they went to obviously Facebook ads running. Facebook ads are still king. Facebook and Instagram ads is king for lead generation in general. That is still the top source. So if you're not paid able lead. to run Facebook ads, paid leads, and you're not doing it, you should maybe look into figuring it out. Don't jump in. Don't give the keys over to somebody else and just let somebody crash your ship or empty your wallet. But it's a game you at some point need to be willing to play. If you're not, you're, you are just leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. But that, but that's, that kind of works for everything. Your advertising is how you get people. That is how this works. If you're not advertising, you're missing the boat one in one way or another. So that is obviously the first source of leads. I don't have any real input on that other than don't just give away the farm and let somebody else empty your wallet for ads because you don't understand it. You cannot just get ripped off by the complexity of the whole situation. I would say my advice on getting paid leads or having people that's going to help you with Facebook or Instagram, because of my background coming from marketing and having a lot of that when it comes to like building websites, is there are thousands of people that are offering this service. Some of them started yesterday. Some of them have never had a client before. And then some of them have been generating their clients millions of dollars for years. As Facebook has been evolving, as there's been the trains have the trends have went up and down. And so the best advice I would give anyone that's interested in trying to find somebody that does paid ads in your particular market or your particular niche, get a referral. Yes. Find someone that's in your network that you trust, reach out to us. I'll happily give you a referral to people that I know that have done this well for other folks that are in our networks. But at the end of the day, if you don't, it's a little bit like taking your car to a mechanic. mechanic. 
you can get ripped off if you don't know anything. And so you got to be, you got to, you got to find someone you trust or at least get, get some insight into that. The person is maybe not even trustworthy, but capable and not only capable, but just like everyone maybe can fix your car. It's the truth. Everyone's capable of fixing your car, but what if you come in and they just have a higher likelihood of having a hard time figuring it out and getting it wrong than others. And that you may time. go in eight times out of 10 and mm-hmm. be fine. But you have a 20% chance of eating a whole plate of shit when you go to that guy, whereas somebody else, you might have a 5% chance of eating shit. And that is just the nature of all business. We're getting, getting some sort of inside track to know what they're really about and what they're really capable of is important. And, and, and there's, go ahead, John. I was like, there's, there's so many different aspects of this paid lead running ads through Facebook and having people help you do it, that it's important that you at least have people that you can talk to that can say, because you can feel like you're getting fucked and you're not, you could be kicking all sorts of ass, but if you just don't know enough to know anything, I always feel like I'm going to get fucked by the mechanic whenever I'm taking my car to them. If I at least don't know what is happening or I haven't been around, especially when it's your first opportunity, there's so much you don't know. So that's why you want to have other people that you can lean on, lean on their trust or their referral of those people to kind of give you the confidence to maybe dip your toe in that water. So that's kind of all I've got for ads, right? Yeah. That's thing one. Ads, leave it up to the professionals. I'm not one of those. If you're not running them, find a professional. That's it. Whatever. Figure it out. It's a game you should start playing. Don't get broke doing it. Don't ever go broke doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the next thing is your organic traffic. Right. Your, your, and by the way, this by organic traffic, they kind of split this up into two subsections, but they are both, he said, almost equally important as your, because collectively they've almost produced the same as your regular ads as far as leads go or your paid ads. And by organic traffic, we mean your businesses, Facebook and Instagram account that is just unpaid stuff, your posts, your giving away value, your generic calls to action, your announcements, all that stuff, and also your personal social media, that being Instagram and Facebook, your personal and your staff, truthfully, anyone who you have who's who's truly bought in, who's willing to like, you know, leverage personal relationships, hopefully not into in a slimy way, but leverage the fact that they're a professional in this industry and use that to bring people and attract people into your business, because hopefully they're working for you in a situation where the more value they bring to your business, the more money they make. So that is very important. If you're just doing it as the owner and your business, that's okay. And that's a good starting point. But use your business account. Being able to do calls to action that are relevant, calls to action that are tight work, whatever works for everybody else probably is going to work for you. So start paying extra attention to the detail when you're making posts organically, right? What types of products are working? And one of the things we picked up from this podcast, and this is a thing we've seen a lot now, we've seen it from, you know, a lot of the franchises that work for very large consulting organizations. We've seen it for smaller franchise stuff. We've seen it for a lot of independent gyms. The most successful call to action, or for what's the word program, if you will, or however, it's running, especially for ads. And we were with a client the other day, we we're going through their ads and stuff for them. And what works and what people are running is challenges, whether 28 day challenges, 30 day challenges, six week challenges, four week challenges, however you want to cut it. That psychology for a whatever day challenge, a short-term challenge that checks a few boxes, that's relatively affordable, but a low level level of commitment, 
that is the thing that sells. That's the thing that moves the needle. And it has for, I would say for sure, I've seen it heavily work for about a year and a half for sure now. Definitely. With COVID, and, and I don't know if that's something that rolled out of COVID. Maybe it always was kind of working before. But it's a thing now that do, would I encourage people to do it now? Yes, still, for sure. It kind of fits the same principle we talk about with having products that have a commitment with an end date. Is at the yep. very least they know like, oh, this isn't about me coming in and joining your gym forever. This is about me doing 28 days and that 28 days, this price tag, price tag I attach with progress, whatever mm -hmm. progress, whatever amount that is. So that seems to fit the psychology of the buyer and it seems to fit it very, very well enough to work. On the flip side of this, because everybody is pitching challenges because challenges are working. There will be a point in which if you're rolling out challenges, you're doing it too frequently, too noisily, or you don't differentiate yourself at all, you're going to look and sound exactly like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I see, I see some, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook too, where there'll be like a 24 hour gyms, global gym type stuff. They'll run as well, like a four week, six week challenge. If the ad copy is like perfect, of course, because they have a larger franchise structure, sure. it's brilliant. It's like the, the terminal, what was like challenging workouts nutrition assistance, fun group sessions. Uh, like it all felt low pressure. It all felt approachable and it felt like it was four or six weeks or whatever it was yeah. that every single box was checked as far as like what a potential buyer would need. And it was simple and it was concise and you could sign up right there. Right. Or you could, or you could message if you had issue, but it went <laughs> right to somebody who was going to make it happen for you. And that stuff, you read it and it's tough when you're making your own copy and you're winging it and you're trying to explain too much about what your thing is or whatever else is going on, mimic the, what's the word, the concepts, the thing that makes the thing successful, you need to look at it and say, what is making it successful? Do you think that challenges are making this are successful because they're tricking people? I don't think so. I yeah. think they're successful because they're approachable. They're not confusing. They don't sound endless. It sounds like I do this and I get this. And it only seems like it's this one commitment. And that's okay because for people that are non-committal, that's how you do it. Who aren't quite ready to jump in for a year. They're not ready to make fitness their life. Then you cannot start speaking lifelong fitness to these people. It doesn't work. You're going to have to move them. And that's a long, complicated process educating a potential consumer. But if someone's sitting on the couch and go, man, I just maybe... Let's just commit, maybe get moving a little bit. Those challenges seem to fit. They seem to work. And I, and that's the thing that I kind of like about them is it speaks to a different person, right? It just, it right. does. And, and that doesn't speak to lifelong change. It doesn't. Your job is to get them fired up in that 28 days or in that six weeks and then get them excited about being there. They enjoy showing up. They're familiar. All the concerns that they have. Will I like the place? Do I like the coaches? Are they friendly? Is it too hard? All that gets put to rest. So then all you have to do is talk to them about commitment, about long-term, about the mm -hmm. next step. And that's much easier. So I think the challenge is fit to bridge that gap between the big relationship, the big lifetime fitness, the big I, the lifelong fitness, the big I now have to change my entire self forever to become a person who is fit. That's where we want to get people to. But I think right. the challenge bridges that gap very, very well. And that's why it works. But it's going to dry up. I'm telling you, every the, the amount of gyms I'm seeing running challenges, personal trainers run challenges, I run a short-term deal too. It's six to 12 weeks, give or take. But it's a very specific term with very specific goals. And I'm not doing like a I'll coach anybody to everything type situation. It's we're going to fit into this narrow box because it's the easiest thing for me to explain. 
that will at some point make you sound like everybody else. And I don't know what that is. There was a time when like fitness boxing and fitness kickboxing. I was talking to gym owner owns uh, like a 24 hour spot and they used to do boxing and kickboxing. And this would have been 15 years ago, probably Mm -hmm. 15, 20 years ago. Super popular, the boxing and kickboxing stuff. Now it's coming back because it just kind of died at some point in the, around late 2000, late, late, late aughts, early tens. It just died. The, the coming in and doing cardio boxing stuff, it didn't work very well. Now it's picking up again. I was talking to him and my guess is one, so many gyms kind of did that, right? Just kind of work cardio boxing, box fit, kickboxing fit, Tybo, all this stuff kind of nine at the same time. got super saturated. And then the UFC showed up. Right. And it's just like, well, that's not what this is. It, it just, it, it was a different thing. So now it became, is this really boxing? Is this what we're doing? But now I'm seeing an increase in this in the appeal. I'm seeing an in- increase in the attractiveness of it. We see ad campaigns that are successful. They're pitching mm-hmm. to like boxing fitness as much as any other regular group fitness class would work, but it's weightlifting or otherwise. So I guess the point I'm getting at is all like everything in fitness, in life, in nutrition, in all this stuff, everything has the potential to work until it doesn't. So mimic the things, take the things that are out there, make it yours, right? You should be able to take a challenge and figure out what is, what is our challenge? What can mm-hmm. I guarantee these people in here? How can I deliver it in a way that's concise and not convoluted? How can I deliver it in a way that is approachable and easy to figure out? How can I deliver this in a way that makes us a lot of money too and it gives us the most opportunity? And how can I communicate this in a way that's really approachable and sounds like it will get someone excited? And when you figure that out, you're going to do it and it's going to work until it doesn't. And then you got to go back again. And this is the thing we talk about in the past, which is you need to debrief after everything that you do, every program launch you do, successful or no. Every week of social media posts on leads or ads, right? At the end of this, how did we do? What worked? What didn't? What, why do you think it didn't work? Mm-hmm. Is, a, is a text message me right away, call to action, the best way to go? Is, hey, DM me, is that the best way to go? Is leave a thing in the comments, is that way to go? Is email me. Is that the way to go for a call to action, right? It, and that's going to be different for every post and every situation, but you need to look at it and go, which of these options works best, which would have worked best. And maybe this limited me 20% and maybe my explanation limited me another 10. Maybe the title, the branding of the thing limited me another 30% and maybe just didn't feel generally accessible. Now you have a program that executed at 10% the success it would have had, had those other issues been, been fixed. But everything you just described <clears throat> for the last three minutes has been tied to thinking about this, <clears throat> making sure one, that you're dialed in, that you're paying attention to podcasts, paying attention to other gyms, what other people that are successful finding people that you are following that are folks that you would love to, they're all, they have already achieved maybe what you wish to achieve eventually. Yeah. Right. Everybody needs to be looking at someone else, not as, Oh man, I wish I could be them one day, but it's like treat them like they're putting on a clinic and treat it like you have paid for access to that clinic because what they're doing if they're really successful is on purpose and everything you just described, Tyler, whether it's what your call to action was, what your image was, what your video was, how you did it, 
what you said, what all those different elements, all of those things only matter if you're testing. Yeah. You don't know if you're not doing that debrief, if you're not bothering to look at it and you want it to be a little bit like putting your money in a 401k for somebody else to manage for you and hope you get rich one day. There's going to yeah, be a rude awakening. Road. You have to be an active participant. And that's where if you're going to bother to try and play this game or think about this, how do you know if the text message, just text me and giving them a phone number or DM me, you don't know what's going to work and what's not, especially because the goddamn goalposts get moved by Constantly. the platforms all the time, which is why you never should be married to any one thing because you don't know. By the way, this is a thing that marketing people talk about running ads all the time, which is uh, what's the best way for me to get the most money? Well, you're going to start and you're going to do one thing and then you're going to do two things. And then the one that works better, you're going to do that and you're going to get rid of the other one. And then you're going to change something about that one. And you're going to run them both at the same time. And you're going to constantly do that forever. And you're going to constantly try a bunch of stuff and you're going to find trends that don't work and dump them off. And you're going to keep doing that. And by the way, you have to be willing to revisit those things because eventually the thing that didn't work five years ago is going to be the thing that works now because everybody's been doing what works now over and over and over again. And you look and sound like everybody else. Mm -hmm. By the way, in my opinion, I think like the D I've, I've had a lot of good success doing this lately with some of my own stuff, getting, I'm opening up some personal training stuff locally here for myself, taking on a few clients with some very specific things that I want to work with them on. And it's worked really well. And all I've done was take posted testimonials from clients I've worked with in the past. That's it. Like their quote in their words. And then just say what I'm doing. 12 to 6 week packages. We're focusing on weight loss, strength training, whatever. You want to work with me, DM me. That's it. And that's very simple. The DM me thing, if you want to get started, it's worked really, really well because people who are trying, who are interested in making a change don't want, in my opinion, the reason it's worked, I guess, they don't want to post in the comments. An email seems like too many steps a little bit. So that was my logic for this one. I would have gone with a text number, to be honest with you also, or left them both there. Because a person can do either of those things and feel like they're just talking to me. Because there's a moment of vulnerability that's there. Sure. And so expecting too many steps to be vulnerable is can slow down that momentum that someone has. When, you're, when your thing spoke to them, mm -hmm. you need to make that, that slide very smoothly from that feeling to the action. And if you create too many barriers, too many apps they got to open, too many things they got to remember, it goes away very, very, very fast. Text message I would have done as well had I had put up a separate Google number or something, but I wasn't going to put right. my personal number, especially around here. <laughs> but, but that, but that's, but that's my logic, right? I will say this: I think four years ago, five years ago, DM me for this or DM me for that was kind of whack. Sometimes it's the best you can do. I, two years ago, three years ago, I would have, I would have almost really doubled down and make sure there's a link. I would have gone there's sure. a link in the bio. We'll go to either a landing page or something very simple that would pull up my email contact or pull up a messaging. Like, but beyond that point, now I think that might be a little bit convoluted. The truth is, people hear link in bio too much. Now they want a DM. Maybe they want to. Right. But that's, but literally, that's the thought press thought process I go to. But I can tell you this for sure that I generated about 19 leads off of three face, four Facebook posts total. Yeah. And I just reposted them to my story and that was it. I didn't fucking hustle anything too hard. 19 leads was able to kind of handpick who I wanted to work with. And I still have a bunch of them who I could reach out to once we're able to open up again and can scoop them up again. 
So that's the nice thing is I still have all these people kind of sitting in the wings that I don't know how many would take action if I want to make it happen. But that's all from posting organically about that. And and so the other side, John, that I want to make sure we talk about the organic leads, personal and your business. And this was the other podcast that kind of confirmed this. The things that are working the most needs to be testimonials. Yeah. Testimonials, transformations. That's the thing. So you need verbal testimonials, video testimonials. You need photo transformations. We've talked again about any having data, sculpt, sculpt stuff, body scans showing reduced body fat. Whatever that is, your results and your testimonials got to be the centerpiece of what you're communicating. Because everything else is you talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. No matter what, even if you're talking about your community to the outsider, you're talking about yourself, you're talking about your equipment or your coaching philosophy to the outsider. You're talking about yourself. You're talking about if you're letting a client who you've had say, I love this place. They're talking about you. They're talking about their results. They're talking about their experience. That is something they can relate to because they are them. They are not you. They mm-hmm. are your other clients. They are not you. So you want to find Lots of clients from lots of backgrounds with lots of stories. Some that want to get strong, put those forward. I put on X amount of muscle. Put on, if you want to have someone that lost 50 pounds, put that one on there too. Those, you want to make sure they'll identify with one, maybe right. not the other. So diverse testimonials really matters. Now, <laughs> that is why it's extremely important to have testimonials as a system in your gym, meaning results, data, photos. You can't make people do them. You can't make them weigh themselves. You can't take the words out of their mouth. You can ask and you can recommend and you can do it frequently and politely and explain in the context. We love delivering results. I really want to make sure that you can appreciate the full extent of your results. Take some before pictures, keep it for yourself. Weigh yep. yourself. If you want the data, you want this other stuff, come in, we can get some scans because it's important. In six months, you'll wish you had. And then in six months, when they have the results, you can go through, you can re-up and you can get them to deliver that stuff all again. But that needs to be systemized. You can't just expect, if you have 200 people, you can't expect half of them to be social media savvy and want to brag about their transformations because that requires an ego that I have that maybe other people don't. So you need to extract the form. You need to make it comfortable. One more thing is that when you do that, now you have a chance. You've asked mm-hmm. 200 people. And when you do this, you may get 50 instead of three. Because that's the truth is if you just let people run, your only people who are kind of social media people who really put their lives out there are going to do that, are going to post a picture of themselves with their shirt off or something. You know what I mean? Right. But, and, and so it's important to just foster that type. And by the way, what that is, is confidence at that point. So you want to foster that confidence in, in their own results. And once you build it into that system, there are key milestones during someone's kind of fitness journey as they're jumping into a program, into a challenge, into a new gym, start working with a personal trainer, whatever, there are key moments that make a lot of sense that aren't a lot of work to be able to extract that testimonial or be able to establish that baseline that if done out of sequence feels weird, feels salesy, feels uncomfortable. So it's key to make sure you're hitting those important milestones when it matters. So then it's super fluid. It just happens. And nobody even thinks anything about it. There would be no reason to feel uncomfortable for how you execute that. 
Plus, you can build it and build so build it into your programs. Your programs right. that you're launching, any specialty programs or specific tracks you're going to have, you should build that into the process. Let's weigh in. Let's get some talk. Let's speak. You know, I'd like you to do this again after the fact. That's great. Build it into thing. Build it into the correspondence. When an email goes out to set expectations, it should. Same thing when someone joins the gym. And by the way, if you do that, if you automate it like that, not only will it happen, it'll be more successful because it's weird to talk to people about that in person. Right. In a class or even in one-on-one, that's weird. It's, hey, will you go when you go home? Like, you can do it, I suppose, but you're not going to connect everyone on the I want to see a half-naked level. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you're totally. trying to be professional, it's, it, it can just be – some of some of these things can be interpreted strangely. It's like, go home and take your pictures. Everybody has different backgrounds and different belief structures and all stuff. So asking via email is a lot less pushy. It's a lot less forward, and it's a lot less – I don't know. It's just – to me, that's how, I, that's how I do it exclusively. But when you yep. do that now, you've got the loop. The feedback exactly. loop of success. Now you have and people giving you testimonials. When it comes to, so there's a great phrase that a coach that has worked with you and I for our businesses as we've done stuff together, <clears throat> even before you and I started working together, her coaching of me and my wife's business has yeah. helped us do things in the different clients we've worked with. She has talked about when it comes to testimonials, it's the idea of when my story becomes their story. Their story then allows others to come in and have it become our story. You can only brag about yourself so much when you have the ability, because you've done it so many times, you've been so successful that you can now let others that haven't worked with you see them there, that person, that person was successful. Let me show you them. Let me show you Tim. Tim yeah. started here. This is where Tim is now. It's like, well, damn, if I'm not working with Tyler right now and I see that Tim kicked ass, well, now well, Tyler can do it because Tyler's special. He's huge. He's super jacked. He's been lifting forever. It's whatever. You're special. But Tim doesn't seem that special. Tim seems like me and their yeah. story now becomes our story. So you have these people come and they're attracted and it does more for your business ever to where it's like, once you see people that truly evolved in this game, they don't talk about themselves anymore. It's one testimonial case study after another, after another, after another. And we talk about as coaches, right? Our inclination, coaches and gym owners and fitness people, we talk in fitness speak and in coach speak. Very often we talk amongst ourselves. We have to direct it very differently. Great coaches are good at this. Not, I don't like to use dumbing down, but like translating things into a language or a, or a potential action that makes sense for a person. Coaching cues are like this. If you're talking about specific muscles, it's weird. Sure. Right? But if you can poke somebody in that muscle and they can feel it and go, oh, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then when they move like, now they get it. Whatever it takes to bridge that gap is important, right? But no matter what, we always have to take, make effort to speak in a language that those people are going to understand, that the people who haven't made the, the, the move into fitness are going to understand to relate to them and to communicate in those terms is hard because it's just not where we're at. So don't have to try You don't have to try that hard when you let other people who are them, who were them, who were in their shoes, use their own words. And that's mm-hmm. the language that you need. If you're going to try to write ad copy, you literally want the words of people who came in and weren't and didn't know what was what and came in and started because that's who you're trying to attract. So that is the real value of testimonials. That's that's the key. Testimonials are key. Transformations are key. 
Uh, referrals was the other one. And now that's yeah. very obvious. By the way, he's, the other thing they said on this podcast, which I loved a lot for um, the kind of because you're leveraging your organic and your personal or your organic business and personal social media platforms, uh, transformations, of course, and, uh, and all that stuff are very important in testimonials. But results have to be at the centerpiece of this. And results are the centerpiece of referrals as well. So if you're going to get recommendations from somebody, you really want it to be from somebody who everybody at their office has seen them lose weight. Right. Everybody at their office has seen them walk around with the shaker bottle with your gym on it now or, or whatever, whatever swag bag you gave them. Everyone at their office hears them talk about it. Every one of their friends and family hears them talk about their new gym. Everyone there is asking them, wow, how'd you lose all this weight? You're looking great. Or they're like, man, Bob has really been in a better mood lately. He is not such an insufferable prick anymore. What is going on? And he looks mm -hmm. great. I hate Bob a lot less than I used to. That's okay. Right? They don't even need to like Bob. They just need to like the results that Bob. They need to like what you did to Bob. Sure. That's great. And so, so, so that is really important. So as long as you're able to reinforce results as, as the centerpiece of your thing, make sure that that is because otherwise your lead generation tanks, you can have a great place where people come and have fun and it's wonderful. But if you want to grow, that's where you're losing it by not having enough testimonials to drive referrals, not having good enough results, testimonials and transformations to drive referrals and get good organic action via your social media. We see so many gym owners, personal trainers, anyone, skills trainers, and they always want, I mean, at least when we're talking to them, they want to make more money. And the mistake has been that more money means doing more. And we've talked about this so often that it's, Stop doing more, right? More is not better. Better is better. And that concept at its core is what you've just described, which is testimonials, referrals, all these people that you ha already have. If you want to make more money or be more successful, there is money that is found money. It's like digging around in your couch at your house. Mm -hmm. And the reality is these people are there. These opportunities are there. You're just not executing on it. And if you just start building these pieces, you don't need to build a new program. You don't need to roll out something new. You don't need to go get a mobile app, whatever. If you have those things, all the power to you. That gives us a lot of tools on our toolbox. But if you don't, don't overthink it. Start sharpening the tools that you already have and start using those better. Because as people get results, everything you've just laid out, not to summarize. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, yeah, find that money by taking action on what you already have. Now, I want to make another recommendation based on what we talked about the challenge thing, right? Use what's working out there to help you because you don't have the data, right? So come up with challenges. The challenges are working. Cool. We'll give it a shot. It's of almost no consequence, right? Get some of your existing members fired up. Same thing with social media stuff. Themes, uh, trends are great on social media for what works, right? It does. Mm -hmm. This is a thing that I use for every business, every podcast, every gym, whatever that I recommend is whatever the newest format on social media that it is, whether remember when Instagram, so Instagram, let's talk about this. I'll be, I'll be over the course of my five, six year, five years, six year social man media management career. Yeah. If you will, we built a lot of brands from nothing and built some from something to more and launched a lot of new products and stuff out of those things. So I do know generally what I'm doing. The thing that I've done along that the whole way is not do the slimy thing. 
and not farm it out. So I've had to do it hands on and really figuring it out with my own hands and being the, the you know what I mean? That's, that's a lot more than people that just send it off to somebody else can speak to. So when I talk about this stuff, every trend, every new feature that a platform rolls out, you should be doing the most on, right? Meaning Instagram started out doing just regular posts. You could post your food. Then they started doing videos. You could do some videos. At that point, they were prioritizing video because they wanted to start competing with other things like YouTube and shit like this. To further compete with YouTube, they launched Next, IGTV. When they launched IGTV, they were prioritizing Instagram TV a lot. I think then you could go over, I think up to three minutes, I think was the thing on IGTV. Yeah. And so, but then if you post it on IGTV, of course, there's a whole new set of rules that they launch when they want to make this new feature successful. They'll notify everybody who follows you and some that don't that you posted a fucking IGTV as well as putting it in your feed. That's insane. That's really high value. And you don't have to be the slimy one Instagram is. And then IGTV expands from three minutes to five minutes to 10 minutes to an hour. Now you can pretty much do full length content on IGTV. And then eventually it dried up because not interested and nobody wants it at all now. But they've kind of rolled that in to reels. Well, first they went from that to then the Instagram story. Instagram stories existed so they can compete with Snapchat, something in, something out, but it offered a whole nother new way of communicating. You put it there, it's less committal, it's less in your face and it doesn't live forever. So a, you could do 10 calls to action on your Instagram story and it feels like you're being less pushy. 10 calls to action in 10 days, 10 asks, whatever you want to call it. That's fine on an Instagram story. It really isn't an issue at all. People see it, they move on, it's whatever. If you did 10 in a row where you're trying to just solicit on your regular posts on Instagram, that's a lot. Seems like that's pushy, right? But stories were extremely successful again because Instagram wanted it to be successful. So it doesn't have anything to do with the platform as a whole or that feature. It's just like they're going to give you the most legs if you do this. They did right. the same thing again to try to compete with TikTok with Instagram Reels. So what do we start doing? Start making Instagram Reels. You make them in that format, it works. I don't recommend this for fitness businesses unless you got thick skin. But other businesses, we've done it where then you take the Instagram. You already have the content made in the same format and length and style that works for Reels works for TikTok. So we start going to TikTok. Then that blows from zero to 100,000 followers. You have two and a half sure. million views on some things grow a lot. But in doing this, the strategy is not Instagram reels, do or die. Mm -hmm. The strategy was not, oh, IGTV is the future. No, it's IGTV is the now. And we're going to do what's easiest, what gives us the best chance now. And that is the lesson I want you guys to extract from all of this. Look around. Where are these platforms shoving you forward? What works? Some of these like meme formats just are great because they're hot for a week and then they die. And that's fine. If you want to get on, like if you want to just move something along, use a meme format, use a TikTok format or a real video format that works. Use a bit, a gimmick that is working kind of now while it's hot and then move on. Don't overstay your welcome. But that is really, really important to do. But also in doing so, don't rip everything off completely. We start seeing stuff now where like I, this is the value of things like Canva. Yeah. It's like kind of free. It's kind of web-based. You don't got to know everything about like photo editing. You don't got to know Photoshop. You don't have to like know all of this stuff. You can kind of come in and there's good templates and you can make a lot of shit and you can really do a ton. You can do almost anything. You can do it free and you can do it fast. It's super high value. I, I, I don't hate it, but I feel very similar to everybody else who kind of does some actual photo editing in their life and digital graphic design is like, there's so much garbage now because sure. people are making stuff on Canva 
and now everything looks and feels the same. It just feels like it was a thing that they're trying to make it so it looks like a professional made it instead mm -hmm. of trying to make it so that it's interesting for another person. That's the thing. Quit trying to make your shit look professional. It probably mm -hmm. should, or maybe it doesn't, but just try to make it interesting or at the very least separate you from someone else. What was the one we saw the other day? I don't want to get into specifics calling one out, but like the exact same template, the exact same format, the exact same color same as font, somebody else. Same and, and, and by the way, it's, it's a simple thing. It's just like, here's the words on the thing and it was okay. But like, we see a lot of this stuff out there. We're like, everybody's using, just change the color. I'm okay yes. with this thing. It's like, it's like using the meme where Kanye is holding up the sign, the thing, and then you just replace whatever's on the sheet with whatever words you want. Sure. You could do that. That That's fine. But that's that. If you're trying to put it out as your brand and your yeah. thing, like you can't just rip off templates after templates after templates. Well, you do skin it, put your business's colors on it. Do you have a color right. team? Do that. That's what you called out with the Kanye thing is a little bit like the meme concept. Like you can yeah. grab those memes, grab what's popping, what, whatever's hot. Cause it's the when, meme that's the heat. Right. It's not yeah. whatever you happen to put on the, the piece of paper. That is where, when you see folks where it's like, and it comes back, think, think about it, put a little bit of brain power into what you're doing. If you want to put an announcement post out or you want to call attention to a really great quote that you love, it's don't just swipe the next template that you see, just update the language and push it out because you look, end up looking one like everybody else. When I go through my feed, if I see three different gyms using the exact same Canva template, you got a problem, man. Like it's like, don't have it come across that way. And by the way, if you're in an isolated market, it's probably not that big of a deal, right? Because in your market, people are not seeing lots of other gyms. But if you're in a, a market where there's like, I don't know, fucking 20, 30 gyms within 50 miles of your place or mm -hmm. more, like it's a problem. And so because we follow so many gyms, I look and I see how much of that is going on. Right. And most of it doesn't bother me except for it, when, when literally the colors and all the stuff are the same. Like, all right, guys, you got to. You got to try one of the best pieces of advice I got from somebody was in social media was just take, this doesn't work by the way, if you're self-managed, you can't do this for everything, right? You can't always do it for photos or whatever, but just if something, if, if you have a post, it's important. But so this is good for your image, for your text, for whatever you're doing, for your copy, for your call to action, all this stuff. If it's important, make it sit, sit there, think about it and leave it. Then you're going to come back and you are going to spend 90 minutes working on it afterwards. You make it, get it all kind of into its first form. And then you're going to walk away and go do something else. Come back the next day, whatever it is. If it's important, right? If it's right. about selling something, it's whatever. And then you're going to come back and you're going to spend 90 minutes tuning it up. It's about the time, not the, not the result, not the outcome. So if it's like, what could I make better? What do I like? But you might try 10 different things before you're like, oh, I like this box better, or I like this font better, but whatever. In that time, you're going to learn what you like. You're going to learn how to bridge the gap between what you have and what you like. You're going to learn what else is out there. You're just going to learn a lot of things. Your copywriting will get better. Your calls to action will get better. You're going to have to put yourself, if you spend 90 minutes on one thing, you're going to have to spend your time thinking about like, all right, what is the, this type of consumer going to think when they see this? How does this work? How can they get it? Have you tested your call to action flow and just thought, does this make sense? If I, you know I mean? If I hear this, am I going to jump in and DM this guy? Maybe the tone isn't excited enough or it isn't accepting enough. What's the tone of your copy? Is it upbeat or is it mechanical? 
Try different versions, but spend that 90 minutes on it. Just try it, by the way. Just give it a shot because in the end, what you're going to have will be the best chance of success that you can do. Very often, people just like, I wrote the copy. I said whatever you need to do to get to me, and then I I, I did it. I posted it. It's done because I don't like doing it. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, well, now you should have just paid then to have that done because you wasted your time, and now you're not going to get any action. I would say I like the idea of the mental exercise of doing that. The problem is when you do this, listen to Tyler, do this mental exercise, do it on the next. You're going to hire it out very quickly. (laughs) Well, yes. But what you can do is you're going to spend whatever the amount of time is to do the first version, step away, come back. Now, now dump another 90 minutes into it. You're going to post it and only your mom is going to comment and like it. And that's okay. And that's why the other end of the spectrum is a volume game to just play, participate. Don't act like every post that you put out there is going to have to hit a grand slam. I love the, I love the analogy of our job. Your job is to hit singles. If we're using baseball, right? Hit singles, get on base, just get it out there. Start putting some thought into it. And most of on the fucking ball. That's it. Figure out how to do that often enough. Eventually you're going to send one out of the park. And that is the nature of the 90 minute exercise. You're going to get out there and you're going to learn how to put the bat on the ball. Right. Yeah. Another big thing that I saw at the turn when shit really went south for 99.8% of the world, except for South Dakota and Florida. I had a lot of gym owners and personal trainers that I was affiliated with through the work, Tyler, that you and I did for years together. Yeah. And as soon as everybody got locked down, I got the most common message that I received was, how do I build a course? Now, the only reason why I received that message is because I had so many people see me assist another company that was a fitness company, right? Through StrongFit, helping them build courses and manage tons of shit online which was hilarious because we were building courses predicting what not covid but predicting the fact that at some point going constantly to in-person seminars that that trend will dry up eventually so we need to start let's diversify a little bit let's put eggs in another basket so we were making seminars having no idea that or making courses plenty of them pivoting to this thing not having an idea that covid was coming no we were doing Everybody wants a fucking seminar or everybody wants to, wants to say, everybody wants to fucking online course now. And Willem Mm -hmm. said the same thing. Do you remember this? It was like every gym now, because they were doing the content, they were doing remote workouts, they were doing all this stuff. And everyone's like, Oh, we're going to pivot to this endlessly scalable, infinitely scalable online coaching model. And that was appealing while people had the content and couldn't, didn't have anywhere to go. The world opened back up and people were like, nah, fuck all this. Yeah. Courses don't sell anymore. No courses. Courses have a scarlet letter on them now. In my mind, one because I made so many of them, but two things. We things did. like Zoom calls are so unappealing to me. If I had a thing where I had to coach people on Zoom, I, I would almost never do it because I'm like, I we did enough of that for two years. It now seems like a chore, not a value. It's not a thing I want to do. So now that experience is not a motivator; it's a detractor. And why, Tyler? The seminar. The seminar really only started. If we go way back, even before you and I got involved with StrongFit, 
it started with only in-person culture, in-person coaching and a, oh man, my brain just workouts, sending yeah. weekly workouts. So templates, template, programming. Uh, yep. Yeah. Programming. programming. Thank you. Yep. So that's where it started was programming. And eventually it was then seminars. Yeah. And then as we saw the seminar it was like, well, there might be a better way to do like a course thing that's here to get that's honestly, that's how I got, I came into the game was yeah. I think you should get your content out for more people to be able to see that shit that come, can't come pay to see you in person. So yeah. then we build the course and then we realized, well, an endless forever course seems terrible. What if we did this for a particular topic for how long? Six weeks, eight weeks, six, 12 weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So then we started doing that online. So it was this slow evolution as we saw. And what's important is that constant movement and thought as a team, collectively as a team, us constantly talking about it and saying, what should we do? What should we test? It wasn't that we knew it was working. No. It was just that we were willing to try it and holy yeah. shit, fail and fail fast. Just be game yeah. to go for it. But look at now in the fitness space over the, over the last five, six years, look at what has become less relevant over time, less appeal, right? Uh, programming has completely sunk. I don't know. I, I see almost none of it. It's of almost no value. Maybe online direct, like one-on-one -on -one coaching, maybe, but if I'm just buying program, no. There's so much of it out there for free. Everything that kind of can be done that is low value and easy and scalable, someone with deeper pockets will give away something of the same value to attract somebody. So like there is a million, I have, what do I, I have like 300, I sent you the thing, like three or 400 full on training program, fucking spreadsheets yeah. and templates in one single folder. It's gold. It's everything. It's every program. By the way, this is like stuff that's been given away free everywhere, but it, these are right. things that have been tried, true and tested for a fucking century. What some other guy, like there's no value for me to buy programming from anybody. I don't care. I would just rather think and, and look at the thing. And so that, that has gone by the wayside as the fitness space is kind of soaked up in the internet. Seminars mm -hmm. have just gone down quite a bit because there was a big appeal as the growth of CrossFit because they had their education. It got a lot of people into fitness education more sure. than it did before because the level one was approachable. You could get into coach people. You could coach a couple classes a week at your thing. It's a huge new pot of people. How many, a couple million CrossFitters or whatever in the world, whatever popped up very quickly. Now those people are learning and things. And that's where a lot of the seminars, at least in the space that we're from, built off of that demand. There was that demand. I, I want to transcend just doing fitness and I want to learn more. I'll do the level one. I'll get into a little coaching. I'm dabbling in coaching. Let me learn. That works that way. Until eventually that gets very saturated. CrossFit HQ has their little meltdown stuff, their underserving thing, their issue with publicity and misreference. So that whole thing kind of gets weird, right? COVID hits, crushes everything that's in person, everything done. <laughs> Castrated all of it, right? Online courses were a kind of a thing before. They were growing. They grew from the marketing space, from all the other things. But then eventually it dried up as well because of COVID. Because mm -hmm. COVID made online courses the only way to do it. And now everybody's selling an online course, which is kind of like if you look up a gym in your area, everybody's selling a 28-day challenge right. or whatever. Like I said before, you still should try one. You still should do it. You still how it works because it works. But know that the 28-day challenge should probably isn't going to be the centerpiece of your business's attractor for very long.
Correct. Or at least for five years. I've never seen anything like this last more than a couple of years. So it's okay. But play that game, right? See what's working. Do it. Think about what could be next. Have ideas. And then try to play that game too. And I would say the biggest thing, the idea is like it's the centerpiece, the cornerstone of your business. What if you were a company in 2019 that your whole, your sole revenue was dependent upon in-person events. I work. One of the jobs that I've done for years is work for people and help with software for people that want to put on in-person events. If that is the only way that you make money, <laughs> yeah, it has been a rough 36 months. And so and the reality like is- bill, That's for like a billion dollar organization as well. Oh yeah. 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 This is, so that, and even an organization like that is now scramble, you know what I mean? That, that sends everything into a tailspin. So your business model should be flexible. Your thoughts Bingo. should be flexible. Your, this is why we do the same thing in nutrition and in coaching and everything. This is like my personal philosophy is no dogma. There is no right. dogma. The only Bible is that you should, the only Bible in my world in fitness is you should think and try things and do what works. And don't do what doesn't. And then later, try what didn't work before and see if maybe it was you. And, and just continue. That's the game, man. That, that, that is the game. Bounce from one thing to, to another. Give enough consistency to something to give it a chance. Always have your eye on what the next thing could be. And this is why we're going to continue to refer and continue to try and turn all of you on to folks that are writing books that we are reading and podcasts yeah. that we are listening to. Because... You should, for the love of God, don't have us be the only people that are helping you figure your shit out. There's yeah. a reason why we stay in our lane, why we share what we are having success with right now with the people that we're working with, but it's also why our shit isn't built on fitness principles. No. There's a, no. And, and that was a, that was a, a purposeful choice that we made as we started introducing our principles into gym hacking university into gym audits that we do into the the perfect quarterly concepts that we've built with clients it's not it it cannot be built off of only fitness principles otherwise you're going to be totally susceptible to the ups and downs of yeah. the fitness world i was talking to a gym owner we'll wrap up here who is now it's been 24 years in the business 24 years owning a gym and this was a, like a 24 hour place. You know, they do some yeah. personal training. It's very much, you try to, they, it's a position where you got to zoom back and go like, they cannot, it's not a management thing. You don't want to manage a bunch of staff. Your opportunity to grow in a lot of those verticals now require, would require a ton of management, ton of staff management, ton of training. That's liability, that's risk. That's a totally different thing. So they kept it simple. They stayed in their lane and they adapted where they could. Group fitness kind of grows. Let's do a little bit of group stuff. They offer more of it just as value as upsell, but it just keeps them relevant, keeps them in the game when these other things are happening and i can tell you this is like this this guy knows really well is these things come and he will always respect them he doesn't shit on any of them which is important by the way mm -hmm. you're talking trash when somebody else when some other things come on it's not going to represent you very well over the long haul talking shit about your competitors but the thing that he's done really well is he's always given the stuff what it is and knows exactly what he does well and so boxing grows stuff. He has, he has, has some boxing stuff set up. Classes worked. He did some classes. Outdoor stuff became popular. did some outdoor stuff. Kept minim, minimized the input, but made sure his people got a taste of what was out there in the space. 
But to survive for 20 plus years in this industry, in the fitness industry, and to not be a snake, there's a lot of lessons to be extracted. And that is really like, like just observe and know that these things come and these things go. And that's all you need to know. Right. And just know that that is the game and like where you want to be in that, where you want to etch yourself in that can change. It doesn't have to, but if you want to make it work over the long haul in the game, you got to be flexible. You got to think for yourself the whole way. Don't let us think for you. Don't let other podcasts think for you. That's your goal is you got to be the person who can adapt along the way without selling your soul. And that's really, I think a pretty commendable goal. 20 some years in any business is incredible. I couldn't work any job for 20 years. Not a single job. I just, it just no, it doesn't matter what the job would be. But to work 20 years in an industry as fickle as the fitness industry is something that is, there's a lot to be learned from look around in gyms in your community that have stayed open for a really long fucking time mm-hmm. and figure out what works. Maybe they're f- philosophically, they're way different than you, but something in there has kept the goddamn lights on and you should figure out what that is. So your mission. Get out there and be somebody. <laughs> Nobody says that's from uh, the jerk. Be the best uh, you that you can be. No, man. So, so, so get out there and start looking at things. What, what, what trends are out there that work? What works in your community? What works in your region? Look into places maybe that aren't in your community if you want to mimic another strategy or whatever you want to do. Uh, look at social media strategies, call to action, ad copy. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason to kind of like you, all ad copy kind of does sound the same anyways. Like I'm not saying copy paste somebody's shit, but like understand the principles that are being said and then use your voice, figure out what, what, what that voice is, what that voice should be, what it can be and start to practice with that stuff and know that if it drops on its face, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But the point is that you're getting better at it. And that's the goal is you're not going to hit a home run tomorrow. If you can't put the ball on the bat, the bat on the ball. Both. So both. Guys, it's got us wrapped up. Uh, we got all sorts of cool stuff going on. Uh, too much to tell. If you want to work with us directly, want us to come in, fix your offers, your offer stacks, get you rocking and rolling, you can message us. We kind of, we're doing some custom stuff. We have a lot of businesses that are coming to us with a lot of very kind of different financial structures. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the true opportunity for us to come in and, and help your introductory offer, teach you how to sell it, how to take the services you're doing, things you're already doing and make the most money while give your clients the best chance for results we can put together things like that. We really want to integrate them into your whole business more than we want to just take over one little segment. So it's really important that we take a whole look. So shoot us a message. We'll get on a call with you for free and talk to you about what we can do. Excuse me. <coughs> what we can do, could do, and what it would cost for you. But we want to make it approachable, make you start making money right away. And then from there, you can decide to scale things up. From there. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at the gym owners podcast. If you're only listening to this podcast, you can watch us inside of our community. So we have the gym owners podcast group on Facebook. You can access that at community.hackyourgym.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. John, is that the most ranty I've been in a while? That might be good. Remember, we might be top five rants on this podcast as a whole. We went hard. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And we will uh, talk to you next week. See ya.